I asked Matt to share um, real quick, too, and I know with his story it probably went over his head just now, but share with the congregation some of the exciting things that we can be praying for as a church regarding building and the future. Yeah, sorry, I did forget that. It's fine. Um, We are looking at spaces actively, and um, one of the ones we found is actually, I mean, if I hit it straight, it's like three strokes. Driver, driver, pitching wedge, that way. And it's a two-floor building, and as we've been going in there two or three times, we can see, like, here's a kid's church area, here's a welcoming area, here's a way to do the, the, the platform so that you people who are less than six foot seven don't have to step around and say, I can't see the words. Yeah, I see you, Susan. So we have had conversations back and forth. We have a commercial broker helping us um, negotiate. He's wise. He's servant-hearted. He's jamming emails at 2 a.m. and we get the updates in the morning. He, he's known, how long have you known Kent? 12 years. 12 years. So he's seen this guy and he wants to help him out. So we got to be praying for that. Um, it has been fine here, but who would say I'm ready to turn the page? Anybody? Okay. It's okay to say that. Um, so we want to pray for that. You want to pray for that now? Yeah, let's do it now. Yeah. So if you have questions, we want you to ask. If you have ideas, we want you to reach out. Um, some of this stuff, we just don't want to waste people's time because sometimes these deals just happen and then they go away. But this one is starting to feel pretty good. Yeah. So w- what did I miss before we pray? No, we sent in a, a counter this week, and we're about, what, $800 off or something like that? Yeah. So yeah. it's very close. Let's just pray that God moves on their hearts. Um, and the building's been sitting empty because how many know that there's not that many people sitting in offices right now with COVID? So a lot of people working from home. So I think it would be a win-win. Let's just pray that God move on their hearts and we can be sharing more with you and how you can partner. But if ever before we need um, your prayer, we need your commitment, um, and we need your resources to make it happen. So. You guys have been faithful and awesome. Just continue to do what you're doing. So let's stand together and let's pray. One more thing on resources. We're, we'll talk more about that at a family meeting for those of you who are regular givers. But we're very healthy. Like, we're very healthy. The, the, the giving trend has been healthy, and the spending trend has been way down. So we have reserves, and we have budget for this. And as Lance pointed out, that $800 number that we're negotiating around you know, it's one thing if, if you're knowing you're going to get pay cuts, it looks one way, but it's another thing if the trend has been this, and that's what it's been. So thank you for your faithful contributions, and um, let's continue to trust God for more. So, yeah. Let's pray. God, you've been good. And I just pray, Lord, because of your goodness, Lord, we just give you thanks this morning. Lord, I just feeling that even as we were worshiping, Lord, the goodness of God just keeps chasing after us, Lord. And, and even in spite of all the things that are going on around us um, in our world, and then also right here at home in our personal lives, Jesus, we can see your faithfulness in the midst of it. And we place our trust in you. I thank you for the scripture, Lord, that my brother Matt encouraged me with, Lord, that some trust in chariots and some trust in horses, but I choose to put my trust in the Lord. And Father, as a church, Lord, we choose to put our trust in you 
We know, Lord, that um, our best days are ahead, Lord. We thank you for the purity of um, what we're doing right now. We thank you for how you've led us. I thank you, Father, for the obedience. I thank you how you're adding to our church, Lord. I thank you for the families and the gifts that they have that are coming in. Um, Lord, I just, it's, it's a beautiful. And um, I just pray that if this is your will, Lord, if this location is your will, then you would solidify the deal, Lord, so we can go before the congregation, Lord, and share more and be excited and begin to dream about how we can use that tool, that resource to reach people, Father, for the kingdom of God. Lord, that doesn't take away um, our need to go out into the open air, into the marketplace and proclaim the gospel. But Father, I pray that, um, I believe that it symbolizes, Lord, a new beginning for our church. And so, Lord, let it be. We pray, amen. Let it be, Lord, in your name. Amen. You may be seated. How many are excited this morning? I know I am. So in the June newsletter, if you opened up the links, you would have saw a letter like this that talked a little bit more about um, NBC Mission 555. If you didn't click on that link, you can go home and go into your spam folder, your promotions folder on Gmail, pull it out and say, wow, look at all the things that I missed this month. So I'm going to go through this letter um, here and, and just kind of read a portions of it this morning. It says, on Sunday, June 27th, that's today, we're starting a, mess, a series of messages on reaching our city and neighborhoods with the gospel of Jesus through relational network evangelism. The goal of this series is to encourage, to equip, and to inspire you, you to become more committed to sharing the good news, exactly what you heard from John this morning. And I, I want to underline this next sentence and just put emphasis on it. Please know that we don't intend to guilt trip you each week into doing something that you hate doing. This series is actually designed to help you get started in small steps, being more intentional right where you are, where you work, where you live, the people you interact with. And so we want to create a mindset, a way of life that helps you share the gospel with gospel intentionality. How many know that typical approaches to evangelism in the past is not what God is going to use to reach people today? It's not going to be Billy Graham crusades. It's not going to be a cold call going door to door or even, you know, back in the day when you would walk up to somebody in confrontational evangelism saying, if you were to die today, would you spend eternity in heaven or hell? Make a decision, you know. That's not what it's going to be. It's going to be building relationships with individuals. It's going to be um, sharing the gospel and living as a living testimony of the faith of Christ. Tim Keller, who is a pastor out in New York City, who planted and started, founded Redeemer Presbyterian Church, said, there must be an atmosphere of expectation that every member will always have two to four people in the incubator, a force field in which people are being prayed for, resourced, brought to church, or other events. When I read that statement, um, I came back to the elders and I said, we need to be more intentional, intentional as a church in evangelism, sharing our faith. This challenged me to, to even take it up. Tim Keller says two to four. 
we're believing for five. Five people. I want you to begin to pray for five people within your networks. There's five networks there, right, on your card. Look at those five networks. I want you to think about five people within those five networks of family, family you have, work, people you work with, marketplace, businesses you frequent, neighborhood, neighbors you see, and relational. Relational has to do with, um, like, your kids' softball team, baseball team, the swim meets, um, all these different areas, soccer, cross-country, whatever it is, friends you make, relationships you build through those recreational things, the local gym, school groups, five people, five networks, and then five tasks. We want you to pray for them, serve them, resource them. That means share the gospel. If they're talking about um, they're struggling with some, something, that you can be a resource to them. Say, here's a book that I read. Here's a resource. Here's a blog, a podcast to help them grow towards Christ. Number four, invite them to church when, it's, when the time's right. And then number five, when the time's right, share the gospel with them. So we want to equip you around that. We're going to spend 10 weeks going through this. We're going to spend two weeks on each of these different tasks. And I'm going to kick it off this morning in Luke chapter 5. I want to invite invite you to open your Bibles there to Luke chapter 5. And we're going to be in verses 1 through 11. When I said I'm excited, um, one of the things that I'm excited about is Lisa and the cafe had a record day yesterday. They broke an all-time sales record. She was overwhelmed. (laughs) We had machinery going out, running out of different things, but praise God for his faithfulness and for his blessing. Um, Let me just back up and share. I wasn't planning on sharing this, but last week we found out that our youngest was diagnosed with type 1 juvenile diabetes. He has been coming to us for, um, Caden has been coming to us for the last month just saying, I got this, these sores on my mouth and they're painful when I eat and swallow. And, and we knew that when he was a baby he had thrush and so we looked that up and to see if that could be the case and it said um, that usually youth and adults don't have thrush and that it could be another condition like diabetes or an autoimmune condition like um, HIV and different things like that. And we're like, let's just believe that this is a virus. So we said, just we'll watch it. And time went on and it got worse and uncomfortable and he came to us. He he actually also shared with Shallon, where's Shallon? Right there. Shared with Shallon and and, um, we began to pray about it. And Shallon was praying about it, and Shallon, was it on a Sunday or a Monday? A Sunday, she was praying, and she just felt like she was supposed to text Lisa and say what she had heard when she was praying from the Lord, and that was blood test. You need to take them and get some blood test. And so she, um, Lisa said, okay, I'll do that. She set up a, an appointment. Um, um, she called on Monday and got him in on that Tuesday. We actually had an elders meeting that morning, um, that Tuesday morning, and after that meeting, Lisa took Caden um, to the clinic. 
The clinic said, I think it's just like a H, was it, HPV or something virus, and it, it will go away. Um, let's just watch it. Um, but we are concerned that he's lost 25 pounds in the last month. And so we want to do some blood testing, and, and um, Lisa said, I think that would be great. And so within, what, less than an hour, they called and said, your son's blood sugars are at 673. He needs to get to the emergency room now. And so um, I was sitting there. I knew that we had the, the appointment. But all of a sudden, Lisa jumps up after the doctor or whatever nurse sharing that. Everybody's crying, and I'm like, what's going on? <laughs> so we're thrust, you know, right to the emergency room, IVs admitted into the children's hospital, and Caden's life and our life changed in a matter of moments. But in the midst of that, we saw our church family step up and love on us. People text and begin to pray, pray for us. Um, we were believing God for some different things. While we were sitting in the children's hospital um, room, we had gotten an email saying that we were just approved for a $12,000 grant that we had been denied in the past. And so God says, God's showing me, it's not really about the money, but he's saying, I'm faithful. My goodness is still chasing and running after you. Um, it's been a big change for Caden, but God has been faithful, and I'm just believing that God's going to use this for his glory. And I see people coming into this body, the men's meeting. We had one of the gentlemen leave that was um, invited that night saying, I found some friends. I found some friends. And his wife shared the next day in one of their prayer meetings that what, what her husband had shared. And so it's those types of things that just keeps you fired up and moving ahead, knowing that the enemy is coming to steal, kill, and destroy. But in the midst of it, Christ is bringing life life. And so with that, let's launch into the message this morning in Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. We're going to look at a miracle, one of um, miracles of Jesus. It's the miracle of the great catch of fish. And I believe that the miracles performed by Jesus during his ministry are recorded in scripture for a purpose. They're not just there for a historical you know, to give us historical record of events. They're there because they contain spiritual truths for believers today. They contain spiritual truths for believers today. Other than Ken, can I hear some more amens? <laughs> the Bible is a spiritual book written to spiritual people for a spiritual purpose. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 13 in the Amplified says, And we are setting these truths forth in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Holy Spirit, combining and interpreting spiritual truths with spiritual language to those who possess the Holy Spirit. How many believers do we have in the room this morning? Raise your hand. You possess the Holy Spirit. And there's human wisdom being taught here by the Holy Spirit. And we're going to receive instructions today and encouragement from the Scripture. So with that, let's read verse 1. It says, The crowds were 
pressing in on him. It's talking about Jesus. This was at the beginning of his ministry when he was calling his disciples. It says, the crowds were pressing in on him to hear the word of God. Friends, I believe that there are many today that are pressing in on God to hear the word of God being taught from him. Granted, you know, as Greg and I and Brandon are over here praying, these people are looking in all, all the wrong places, but they are pressing in, they're searching for something that is bigger than them. Do you agree? They're hungry. They're spiritually hungry. There has been a rise, this growing trend toward spiritual but not religious by our current culture. We're seeing an increase in interest today in New Age spirituality, Scientology, Echinar, crystals, horoscopes, psychics, tarot, tarot cards, and a host of other spiritual experiences. New Age spirituality is not only been accepted in our society, but it's become fashionable and faddish amongst our Western culture. A traditional mindset sees these trends as a threat to Christianity. People are, people are buying a lie. They're, how can they do this? But a kingdom mindset sees them as evidence of spiritual hunger in lost people. Did you hear that this morning? A traditional mindset would see New Age spirituality and this, the rise in spiritualism and, and seeking after these false things as, as a threat towards Christianity. But, but, spiritual hunger, a kingdom mindset sees this as spiritual hunger amongst lost people. We read in the second half of verse 1 that Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, better known as the Sea of Galilee. And the meaning of the word Gennesaret in the original Greek is harp because the body was shaped, harp-shaped like. And verse 2 says, And he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Isn't this a sad picture of the church today? The fishermen are gone, and they're busy washing their nets. May I suggest that we have a tendency to spend too much time gone from the boat. Too much time washing our nets or, or talking about how we need to reach people, how we need to be out catching fish, then actually using our nets to catch them. We're just kind of washing and taking care of things. Here in verse 2, we also learn that there are two boats by the lake. And it seems that there's always two boats in life, right? There's a boat that's parked at the shore, and there's always people who are more comfortable in the shallow waters or being on the dock. And then there's the other boat that is launched out into the sea that moves out into faith. Jesus enters only the boat that moves out in faith or puts out from land, as verse 3 says. The boat that Jesus got into was Simon's boat. I love this. It says Simon's name um, in the Hebrew means hearing. And it has this implication of attention and obedience. How many know that Jesus is looking for people today who have an intention towards obedience? They're attentive to what God is calling them to do. And they're obe or obedient in following through that. This is the kind of boat that, that Christ desires. 
In verse 3, Jesus calls on Peter to put out a little from the land. He's saying if you want to catch fish, you, you need to, to put out from the land. You need to get away from the shore. You need to step away from the shallow waters and, and go out a little bit from land. And I find the next thing that Jesus does here in verse 3 to be extremely important. And it says that he sat down and taught the people from the boat. How many know that the word of God is important? To preach the word of God today is important. People are hungry for the word of God. Gallup, a polling um, organization, polled a bunch of people um, in the church, and he asked Protestants and Catholics and a variety of different people from different backgrounds and denominations, what is the most important for you when you are looking for a local church? And the number one thing was people said, we want to hear the word of God, the scripture taught. A lot of pastors would think, well, people are looking for good worship, a building, kids' ministry, youth ministry, fancy programs. But the people said, number one, 83% of the people out of that poll said, we're looking for a place where the word of God, the scriptures are taught. And that's what Jesus was doing here. He was teaching from Simon's boat. If you're a believer... We saw your hands. You have the Holy Spirit within you who empower you to share the gospel from any pulpit God chooses to provide you. I've seen coffee shop tables become pulpits. I've seen plane seats become pulpits. John just shared that office buildings became a pulpit for him. Places God has pulpits for you. Jesus used a floating pulpit pulpit. He used Simon's boat. Jesus wants to use your influence, your platform, and he wants to share the good news of the gospel to the lost through you. Verse 3 doesn't tell us what Jesus taught the people, but Luke 4.33 gives us a hint. It says, but he, Jesus, said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. Let me just give you an overview of what the good news is. The good news of the gospel that Jesus preached often was we were dead in our trespasses. We were tripped up by our sins. Religion couldn't help us, and we couldn't save ourselves. We couldn't help ourselves. Remember Jeff, Pastor Jeff, last week said, every time I try to pull myself up by the bootstraps, the straps break. We couldn't help ourselves, but Jesus, the baby born of a vir virgin in Bethlehem, was the Son of God. He did what we couldn't do. He lived a righteous life, and he pleased his Father. Still, he got crucified on a cross under the curse of sin, and he did that for us. He died for our sins, both past, present, and any sins that you'll commit in your future. But Jesus was raised from the grave to offer us new life in his spirit. Jesus gave this new life to all who believe in and call upon him in faith. That was the message. That was the good news that Jesus was teaching from Simon's boat. And that's the good news that he's calling us to proclaim with the lost and spiritually hungry. If you want to be effective as a witness for Christ, you have to get into the word so that you can know the word. It's important to come together like this and hear the word preached. It's important to get into the Bible and read it yourself and know it. 
And I was just thinking about this. This is why we led you as a church through um, the book of Ephesians. You remember in the Ephesians, the first three chapters have to do with who we are in Christ. And then the second half, verse, um, chapters three through six, have to do with what we are to do, our responsibility because of our identity in Christ. We're equipping you. We're equipping you, and that's our jobs as pastors is to equip you for good works. Church growth gurus today say we need to be careful not to preach too much verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book of the Bible because people want to hear interesting stories. They want to hear applications um, to their daily life. And I believe that stories are good and important. It's good to hear testimonies. They encourage us. They, they give us faith. They give us courage. But people also need to hear the word of God. People don't need another 10 steps to a healthy life or a better life, right? You know, a topical sermon that's loosely connected to scripture. They need the life-transforming word of God taught. I have three children. And if I were to ask them when they were younger, would you like cotton candy and potato chips or broccoli and chicken for dinner? Which one do you think they were going to pick? Cotton candy and potato chips. We cannot let young Christians or non-Christians dictate what we preach. They're always going to choose cotton candy and potato chips. We need to be preaching verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book. Looking at verse 4, it says, And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep. Put out into the deep. I want to just stop, and this is just a free leadership lesson that I just wanted, felt led to put in here. There are a lot of people for water living, if you know what I'm talking about, right? They want to go out into the deep. But here's a leadership lesson. In order to go out into the deep, you need to put out for a little first. A little. Put out a little from the land first before you go out into deeper waters. The Bible says here in Luke 16:10, one who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. Be faithful in what you're doing, the little that you're doing, and God will bless you and reward you by leading you out into deeper things. Jesus asked Simon to put out in the deep, and I believe that is exactly where he's calling our church today. I believe, as Matt said, and as we have prayed for a few years now, um, for an NBC 2.0, something that looks different, just this hunger inside of us to become more intentional about sharing the gospel, being out there, and causing change in our city. And we can't do it alone. And I appreciate, um, Matt, what you shared about, you know, uh, casting out division and disunity. And it's going to take the whole city church, and we'll see that in just a minute. The word deep um, is bathos in the Greek, and it literally means like depth, you know, like measuring the depth of something. But also figuratively, it means mystery. And I find that interesting because I believe that Jesus is calling us out into the mysterious. What do I mean by that? He's going to call us out into the unfamiliar. 
He's going to call us to people that we wouldn't necessarily, um, in our own, you know, strength or will, want to minister to or, or be around. You know what I'm talking about? He's going to call us to unfamiliar places and cause us to do unfamiliar things. Mandy, I'm looking at you, and I, <laughs> I know she's not one to get the limelight, but she's mentioned to me many times, like, man, God's moving me out of my comfort zone, and, and I can see that happening. And so I believe that that's what God wants to do for all of us. He's, he's, all, he's telling us to move out beyond our present experience, to put out into the mysterious. This makes me think about my experience at the public pool. Growing up, I spent most of my summers at the Park District public pool that was just about a mile from our house. I would walk there, and when I got older, I'd bike there. When I was younger, my mom and dad brought us. And started out five years old, four or five years old, in the kiddie pool, two feet, six inches deep. You know, just kind of splashing around with my sister, enjoying, enjoying the sun, the heat of summer. And then graduated, transitioned to the shallow end of the pool, the three-foot part. The pool ranged from three feet in the shallow to 12 feet in the deep end and had two lower diving boards and then a higher, higher diving board and then had the blue and white classic you know, safety rope with the floaties on top that separated the shallow from the deep end. And I remember wanting to transition into the shallow end and my mom saying, I'll sign you and your sister up for swimming lessons at the Y. And so we, we took those lessons and after being taught and all the hours of investment of going to those lessons, we graduated, we um, were now able to swim in the shallow end. And for a lot of years, we enjoyed um, the shallow. We would make up games and like we're like, um, like Baywatch type people and diving in off the, you know, into the sh jumping in and rescuing and all the fun things that kids do in imaginations. And then I remember my dad said, I want to take you um, and your sister to the pool tonight. It was in the evening. We usually went during the day and, and he was going to take us at night. It was like six to eight or something like that. And he said, why don't you go swim in the deep end? And I said, no way. <laughs> I'm comfortable over here where my feet can touch and my head's still above water and he said come on mom got you swimming lessons you know moms are like careful and conservative dads are like hey go kill yourself <laughs> you know so I go up to the lifeguard and say I want to take the swimming test and um, took the swimming test that night passed and began swimming in the deep end well guess what a few weeks later my dad's like I'm gonna take you back to the pool and this time you're gonna jump off the high dive not like, nope. I'll do cannonballs off the low dive and board, but not going to do the high dive. Guess what? Dad won. And I should have known better because how he taught me to ride my bike was taking me up on the top of a hill on cement and pushing me. And he said, if you don't start pedaling, you're going to crash. So jumped off the diving board, did that, was excited. Wow, I can't believe I've been holding back. This was great. I told you, you know. About a month or so later, my dad took me back to the pool and said, why don't you try diving off the high dive now? Guess what? Did a belly flop. Bam! 
But it wasn't long and I was doing swan dives and getting the lifeguards wet and all those great things. Why do I bring this up? Because as I was reading this, I couldn't help but think about my experience at the pool and how our living out our faith in the shallow end is much like our passage here this morning. You know, in the shallow end or in the kiddie pool, you're not risking much, right? You can still touch the bottom. Like I said, your head is still above water. You're not being too bold or trying to do too many things. But Jesus is calling us out into the deep. As my dad was saying, go enjoy life on the other side of the blue rope. It's mysterious over there. It's bold, but that's where life is. And I believe that's what Jesus is calling his church to today, to go out, to launch out into the deep, to put out into deep, and to trust him in deeper waters. Look at the second half of verse 4. He said to Simon, put out into the deep, and then he said, let down your nets for a catch. If you write anything in your notes this morning, I want you to write this down. The words of Jesus contain both a command and a promise. He didn't say, let's launch out into deeper waters and we'll see what happens. Right? What's he say there? Put down your nets for a catch. He promised them. He says, if you will do your part, if you will put out into the deep, I'll do my part. I'll fill your nets with fish. Man, this takes all the pressure off, doesn't it? Will you share the gospel with your neighbors, with your friends, those in the marketplace, if you know that you're promised a catch? I will. It takes all the fear away from me. It's a command and a promise. Here's a few lessons we can learn from this. God never gives foolish commands, though we may look foolish, though they may look foolish at the time. Number two, God will bless those who obey him without hesitation. And number three, God's greatest miracles usually require our cooperation. There was a lot of reasons for Peter to be skeptical. He could have said, Jesus, you're a carpenter, now a teacher. But I'm the fisherman. I know this lake. I've been out here. I know where the fish bite. I know when to fish, the time of day to fish. But Simon didn't respond that way. He knew better. He said and said, but at your word, I will let down the nets. We have to do our part. We have to let down the nets. Without God, we can't. Without us, he won't. Did you catch that? Without God, we can't. With, without us, he won't. I like verse 6. It says, And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish. In the Greek, it's, that word is um, translated multitudes. They enclosed a multitude number of fish, and their nets were breaking. And they signaled to their partners in other boats to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. I came across a research, a couple of researchers who did a paper on the economic impact of Peter's catch. Check this out. Using the dimensions of the boat from approximately the same time period and location, they estimated that a total of 62,000, 
696 pounds of fish filled both boats. 62,696 pounds of fish filled both boats. There was all kinds of equations in the research paper that I won't bore you with or put up here this morning, but it came out to be 62,696 pounds. They said at a wage and commodity price law from 301 AD, it indicated this gave each of the four fishing partners 24.5 to 36.4 year salary at general laborers rates or 12.1 to 18.2 years at the skilled labor rates, depending on the fish's quality. Went on to say, with modern financial advice, one needs 25 years expenses and savings to live entirely from the interest. This put Peter and his partners in good financial standing to leave the fishing business to follow Jesus full time. What God calls you to, God will provide for you. What God calls you to, he will equip you with. Verse 8, but when Peter, Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he, he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. The miracle blew their minds. Two bolts. It's like a balloon, you know, like you blow it up, and if you give it one more breath, it's going to burst. That's what it was like. This was such a miraculous um, catch of fish. And Jesus said to Simon in verse 10, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. It was never about fish. It was always about telling Peter, this is your purpose in life. I'm going to change your name from Simon to Peter. And upon this rock, what your name means, Petra, Petros, rock, this foundation, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He was showing him that he was commissioning him. He's saying, you used to be a fisherman. You used to fish for fish. But from now on, you're going to fish for men. And he gave Peter the same commission that he's given all of us in Matthew 28, 18 through 20 to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I pray that this scripture builds your confidence today. We don't need to be afraid. Jesus has spoken, and it will come to pass. Verse 11 says, And when they brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. And this is where it all comes together. He cried out to the people on the shore, said, Bring the other boat. We're going to fill that boat too, right? How many know that we can't do it alone? There's a harvest of spiritually hunger, hungry people that Jesus is calling us to reach, and it's going to take every church in this city to do it. Come. Come alongside. Come from the shore. Come help us bring in this great catch of fish. Why don't you stand with me this morning? Remember he caught multitudes of fish? That same word was found in Acts chapter 2, verse 37 through 41 on the day of Pentecost when Peter and those same disciples were filled, baptized with the Holy Spirit. 
says, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Peter's proclaiming the same message that he heard his Savior proclaim. He says, The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. That's all of us. Everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked, crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized. And listen to this. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Did you hear that? He caught physical fish, but now he's catching men. 3,000 souls were added to the church. Here's my question for all of you this morning. Is there anything that in your life that God is calling you to that you need to leave behind? It says that they left the fishing business behind and they followed Jesus. Is there anything that in your life that he's calling you to leave behind in order to follow him? I think our response needs to be the same as Simon's today, but at your word. You're thinking inside, man, I don't know if I can do this. Why do we have to be going through a series like that? Why 10 weeks? Can Lance just preach on it for a couple weeks and it'll be over? It's going to take the whole summer. Guess what I'm doing this summer? It's not my calling. That's not my gift. Peter said, but at your word, Lord. We're the nets. We're the nets. We need to put ourselves down into deep water. Leave the comfort of the shallow end. Remember Ezekiel's prophecy that I shared a few weeks ago. It says as he moved out, the water got deeper and deeper until he was just being led by the current of the Spirit. God will give you little deposits, little hints that he's with you along the way. Things could be looking like they're falling apart around you. But he's like, look at this, I'm still here. You can see me here. You can see me here. See, I'm still providing. My goodness is still chasing after you. Just trust me. There's life, there's mystery, there's boldness in the deep end. Father, we just thank you this morning for your word. Simple word, Lord. It was never about a fishing story. It was about a life purpose, Lord. This message is for us today as a church, calling us to launch out into the deep, to put out into deep waters, to let down our nets. A command with a promise. You will catch fish. Lord, that excites me this morning. We're walking in your purpose, Lord. We're saying yes to you, but at your word. But at your word, Lord. And you're proving to be faithful, Lord. Just as you were with Peter, Lord. He didn't know it that day, Lord, but you were going to use him to catch thousands of people, lost people. 
Lord, I pray for Holy Spirit courage, Lord, to rise up within us, Lord. I pray, Father, that we would step out of our comfort zone and into new things. I pray, Lord, that we would leave our old life, our old habits behind, our old way of thinking, and say, Lord, here I am. The future looks scary because it's unknown, but I'll step out. I'll choose a Christian song to represent my life. I'll go to the school, I mean the town board meeting, and, and stand up for what I believe. Lord, you're going to do that in all of our lives. Lord, as the crows are thinking about Vacation Bible School and offering that in the city of Madison to reach international children, Lord, you're going to bless that. You've given them that command. They're letting down their nets, and we pray for a great catch. Father, I pray that we would have testimonies every week, Lord, of the goodness of God and the miraculous of God, Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I want us to move um, to the front this morning. If you, just by a way of, of commitment, kind of like a commissioning of, we're going to launch out together as a church and believe God to back up his word, his command. How many know that we leak? We leak sometimes. We need fresh and fillings of the Holy Spirit. And so let's just come and just make this area a place of an altar. What, what is an altar? It's a place of just laying down something, saying, Lord, I'm laying down the old. I'm, I'm leaving this behind and I'm going to follow you. And so, can you do that this morning? Let's, let's come. We prayed about this last night, and we're going to believe that God would give us everything that we need here. Holy Spirit, come and just fill your people as they come this morning. Father, we're not looking for the loud or the spectacular, but we are looking for the still, small voice.